A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello there, welcome to episode 29 of the AI Comic Pod. Uh, I'm your host this evening, it's me, Stu. Now, we've got a bit of a strange one again this week. Rory is not with us, he's far too busy preparing for his new football-based show. So, there's just me and Mr. Joseph Connors today. How are you doing? I'm good, my friend. Ready to go. Yeah, we are coming full circle. A few weeks ago in episode 26, Joey and I did the preview of Doctor Strange, so for completion's sake, uh, we thought that the two of us would do the review of Doctor Strange. So we may as well just jump straight in there. It's It's been very well received. I personally haven't seen much criticism of it. It's not been like Suicide Squad, Batman vs. Superman, X-Men Apocalypse, <coughs> okay, um, in that a lot of people have come out of it and are saying, yeah, well... It's okay, but it's this. It's it's good, but it's that. I've I've only seen positive, positive reviews, and from from my perspective, it, it's sort of in the same ilk of Ant Man and Guardians of the Galaxy. It far far exceeded my expectations. I I went into it expecting it to be good. I didn't think it was going to be this good, and I I've, I've actually got this down listed as my third favorite Marvel film to date, which is pretty. I think that's pretty high praise because it's only behind Civil War and Winter Soldier. So I'm ranking this above Ant-Man, Guardians, uh, the first Captain America film, Iron Man. So it, it, I think it's sitting atop a pretty, a pretty mighty pile. Um, from your point of view, Joey, how did it stack up against what you expected when you first went in there? Well, I, I had a feeling going into it that I was going to really like it, even when you and I talked on the last pod. Um, but it actually changed my top three. Yours and I, your and I's are pretty close. I I had Civil War one, I had Winter Soldier two, but now I flip flopped. I would put Doctor Strange at two. I thought it was that good. I thought the introduction of a lot of different things that we haven't seen in any of the Marvel movies yet was really important. Uh, I just thought it was really really excellent. 
Um, so yeah, that's a big leap because I'm a huge Winter Soldier fan. Yeah, well, w- we all are. I mean, Rory Rory sums it up best when he, he refers to it as being superhero espionage, and I don't think any any film has ever been as uh, described as as spot on as that. You know, it's it's the perfect blend, and it's one of our favorite films in general. Ignore the comic book genre; it's one of my favorite films ever. But Doctor Strange did a lot. A lot different, as you say, but it did everything it did, it did right. There's not really anything that I can think of that makes this film weak. I, I can't think of anything that, that they did that I didn't agree with. I don't think there was a single bad casting. The storyline worked. They, they flip-flopped on a few things in terms of the way they've retconned, for example, the Eye of Agamotto, and they've made it into a soul gem. But you can understand why they've done it, can't you? They have to introduce the Infinity Stones... Mm-hmm. And sorry, not the Soul Gem, as one of the Infinity Stones, and they need to bring them in somewhere. And this makes perfect sense. And it looks like, based on the fact that wearing the Eye of Agamotto gave Doctor Strange the ability to turn back time, it's more than likely the Time Gem, isn't it? They, oh yeah, they no haven't question. actually said it, have they? They've not come out and said that's what it is, but logic kind of suggests that's what it's going to be. So then we're only missing—is it one more stone? Well, you have with the space stones. Uh, that's in that's in New York, and the um, well, I think it's in the Avengers. The Avengers use that to open the wormhole. The reality stone was in Thor: The Dark World. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the, the ether. Yeah, yeah, the red one. The power stone was in the Guardians, which wipe out planets. And then you have the mind stone, which is obviously in, in Vision. Vision's head. Yeah, so that would be yeah, that's going to be introduced next. And you know, like you said, it's the time travel. That's what was really introduced here, and that's that's huge because this movie is basically eventually going to lead into Infinity War, I believe, which is going to be the next huge step. Avengers: Infinity War. Yeah, it, it, it sounds like it because, like you say, they've introduced not just the 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 world of time travel, which is going to be huge because the the Infinity Gauntlet. If for anyone that doesn't know. Thanos is aiming to collect every single one of the Infinity Stones and every single one of these controls a a, a huge cosmic power. So he's going to have the ability to affect all of reality throughout history across the entire universe. It's that vast. There was a really good explanation video that um, Emergency Awesome does that a YouTube channel I go on about. And the guy that presents it, Charlie, is like the Yoda of comics. I I think if there's something that he doesn't know about comics... It's not worth knowing. And he was explaining that each of the Infinity Stones sort of stacks up the ability. So, for example, the the, the Time Gem or the Time Stone that that we see in the Eye of Agamotto can control time. You put that with the, the, say, the Space... There is one, isn't it? The Space Gem or the Space Stone. Space Stone, yeah. Yeah, That's going to magnify the ability to turn back time across the Mm -hmm. whole of the universe. You then put the soul gem and you're putting in the ability to affect people. So gradually each of the powers is going to layer up on top of the others until we've got Thanos either in the first or the second part with literally the power to change everything that we know, past, present or future, on his hand. And they've introduced that really well, as well as the air of, of, of the mystic arts. We've now got... You're going to have trained fighters fighting Thanos. You're going to have people who've been aided by technology like Iron Man, people who've been aided by science like Captain America and the Hulk. Now we've got magic users because they've, as we, I think we mentioned in the preview, they've changed Scarlet, uh, Scarlet Witch and she's no longer a magic creature. She's more of a mutant, isn't she, sort of? 
she, oh, yeah. she, she's not using the chaos magic and, and what have you. But they've now introduced full-on spells, incantations, portals to get from one side of the world to, to the other. I mean, that could be huge at the minute when people want to get somewhere. They're either having to fly, take one of the Quinn jets, web sling, run, whatever. Now they've got the ability to go, right, we're in New York. We need to get to Russia now. Well, Doctor Strange can open a portal and you can be there in three seconds flat. So that, that, that alone is going to open up a whole new dimension, isn't it, for those films going forward? There's nowhere now that they can't get to in an instant, which means the whole film now can be even more vast without these unrealistic gaps of, well, they were on this side of the world in the morning, now all of a sudden they're on the other fucking side of the world. And for, from a magical point of view, Doctor Strange is, isn't he, within the, the realms of the MCU. He's one of the most powerful users of any kind of power and that's yeah. going to be crucial going forward and, and as good as much as we're talking about this film going forward and what it sets up for the future i don't want to downplay how good it is as a standalone film the the character it introduces of dr strange when we see him he's a bit of a dick isn't he at the beginning of the film you don't like stephen strange no no he's a total asshole he's an arrogant prick um, that part in the movie is basically just how the comic starts. You know, he's a he's a high, he's a well-known surgeon, um, very arrogant. Uh, you know, he gets into the car accident scene, which is actually a really good scene. I like how they did that. Um, it was brutal, wasn't it, with the slow motion in the car, and which was kind of reminiscent of the beginning of Deadpool, but way less hilarious and rude. Yeah, and, and it's this is a it's, a it's a great movie because of you know they're they're even right before he gets into the accident he's. You know, he's talking about the patients, and that's what—that's that's your introduction right there. The girl who was struck by lightning. That's Captain Marvel. So. Yeah, and the, the the also mentioned Rhodey, didn't they? they yeah, there's the, some the guy the, the experimental flight suit who's got a severe surgical trauma, and he's been a dick, and he's going next. No, he, not interested. Yeah. yeah, I've heard that it could be him, or it could be it was that Justin Hammer from Iron Man Two. Some people had said it could be him because they weren't ah, sure about the timeline. Of course, yeah. Yeah, because they weren't the timeline with Rhodey didn't that doesn't really add up in, in the line of events. So they thought it might have been. Um, remember how he was making random like people test the the yes. technology, and that's what I think that's what it is. I could be wrong, but I, I don't think that the Rhodey, even though it, it's the first thing that would stand out, going, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." Civil War just happened. I don't think that's the same timeline. No, I think that's from Iron Man Two. Yeah, because there was a guy in one of the hammer tech suits, wasn't there, where all of a sudden it just turned around and snapped him? That's exactly uh, right. Ah, that would make a lot more sense, because you've got to imagine, I mean, there was a good few years, wasn't there, between Stephen Strange and Doctor Strange, because there's a long time in between where he's away doing his... Well, there's a long time in between where he's just sitting at home licking his wounds, and he's determined, I can fix oh, my yeah. hands. And then he's got well, all the time he, he, he spends in Tibet doing his, um, his studies and, and his training. Yeah, the funny part is, I don't know if you remember, but do you remember the original Amazing Spider-Mans, the one with, um, uh, what's his face, uh, Tobey Maguire? Yes. Remember in the second one where they're giving out names for Dr. Octopus and somebody says Dr. Strange, yes. but the guy who plays J. Jonah Jameson says somebody already has that. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well then that makes, they could have introduced them all back. You know, the, Marvel has a really amazing way of tying things in together. I mean, that, that movie came out in what, like 08, something like that. It might even have been, I think it was earlier than that Spider-Man too. Yeah. 
So think about that. That's that's what ten years ago. More, it's a long time ago, possibly ten years, and they already talked about that. So it just goes to show you, two thousand and four. Yeah, that's twelve, 12 years. years. That's crazy. So they they thought they knew the whole time. That's why they break these things down in the beginning in phases. They know exactly what they're going to do. And th- th- he was talked about. That was not just a throwaway line. You, do you know what I mean? Yeah. That, I, I, that's compl- I, I do remember the scene, but I don't think at any point during any of the articles or any of the videos that I watched, you're the first person that's actually mentioned that. So like you say, they must have had Doctor Strange planned in some capacity for somebody to do a film. Oh, no question. I think they absolutely did. And they're just, they, that's what they do. They're, they're brilliant at it. Look, I mean, look at their track record. It's, it's amazing. And again, they smashed it again with this movie. Like, I, I took your prediction, but I predicted that they would. And um, he was also name-dropped in uh, Winter Soldier by Agent Sidwell when, the, when he's on the roof, isn't he? They're talking about um, oh, before he gets high-powered right? indiv- Yeah, where, where they kick him off the building and then Falcon bring, catches him and saves him. He, he's yes. talking about, about high-powered high individuals. But a lot of people, the, the way that Sidwell words it, he says, sorry, Sidwell, I think it is, he says... Sidwell. Stephen Strange, not Doctor Strange. And I think it was Kevin Feige confirmed that in the timeline, at that, at that point in time, they were concerned about him because he was such a clever man that potentially somebody with such a huge intellect could pose a threat to their problems going forward. He could have been part of maybe a, a civilian uprising or he might be somebody who was so clever that he could see what they were about to do in the future. These preemptive strikes where they were going to kill millions to save billions and Strange might have, say, been able to put, you know, he maybe sees that 100 people have been killed and he's able to put two and two together and say, well, these people are all, you know, all fit this certain type. So it wasn't that Doctor Strange existed in Winter Soldier at that time. I would guess, what would that have been about maybe four or five years ago in the film? At that time, that was probably when he was the high-flying, arrogant dickhead surgeon. And he he was at the, 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 the peak of his of his scientific powers before he sort of moved on to his non-scientific powers mm-hmm. but, yeah yeah no absolutely so from a from a comic point of view because you you've read I, i've literally read no doctor strange ever i've i've seen panels online when i've looked at them uh, on your recommendation when you've said about the way um sitco used to draw sorry steve ditko used to draw them but how how did the film visually stack up to what you've read and what you've seen from the comics i thought visually that was, i mean you and i talked about on the preview pod that was one of the things i brought up i really wanted to see steve ditko's art come to life and i thought they hit that a hundred percent spot on i mean ditko is just he's a genius when it came to that before his time his artwork very psychedelic very 60s you know it that was the counterculture making it's basically waking its way into the Marvel universe. Um, it was amazing. Uh, you know, the, everything about it was amazing. The last scene where he's fighting, Dur- um, always messes his name. Dormammu. Dormammu. Thank you. Yeah. That, that was such a mind fuck. Like it, it was amazing. Well, how he's dying and he's coming back to life. It, it was just absolutely crazy. The, um, the mirror dimension, the whole thing was just, it looked exactly like it. And even if you go back and read, I mean, you can read the stuff online if you want to for free, but any Doctor Strange Ditko, it was it was perfect, absolutely perfect, and I'm really glad 
that they got that across because I was worried about it. I didn't know if they would just, you know, kind of ha- not half-ass it, but it's real hard for that to get across. You know, we talked about the Inception thing before, and there was, you know, that was like an Inception movie, but um, at least visually it was an Inception movie. But, you know, the Dark Dimension, all that stuff, it was just absolutely perfect. The whole reality-twisting etchings of Dicko, uh, the Salvatore Dali, which we talked about in the yeah. first in the pre in the preview pod, I, it was just absolutely perfect, and I just it made me real happy because I just wasn't, you know, even with all the trailers, you didn't see it, you saw a little bit of it, but nowhere near what you saw in the movie, and it was just, oh, this is really cool. And they they did well, didn't they, to not give any of that away. My favorite bit of all that, I'm torn between the dark dimension because visually that was what I've seen online as the Ditko art, the the colors. And the way everything kind of looks liquid, everything's moving, and it's all reflective and bright and shiny and twinkly. But I love the mirror dimension. I just love the way it looked, where as soon as you go into it, the screen cracks and shatters. And it, it, the, the fight scene where you had Strange and Mordo um, were running away from Cassilius and his followers, mm-hmm. that was seriously head-fuck territory. When you know one of them's running upside down, the other two are running along the walls, but then one of them's running on the flat, and then you've got them jumping from the ceiling to the side, and it was like that 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 painting where you've got all the stairwells, isn't it? And you can't trace where any one stairwell goes to. It was just it, it was impossible to see where sort of one surface started and the other ones finished. But that's what you wanted, isn't it? It would have been rubbish if they were doing that that scene. And they were just running down the road or flying or shooting energy bolts. They had to do something to really get across to you. This is not Earth. This is a completely different realm. And this is powers that we've never seen in these films before. Oh, yeah. I thought it's just, it leaves you with such an impression that you've never seen anything. You said you've never seen it before. Uh, it's, you know, portals opening, things like that. You just, you've never seen that stuff and even when Cassilius escapes right before you know the whole i know we'll get to the ancient one and her, her death and everything but that is just visually stunning it's it's amazing i was so so happy about it yeah visually i i would comfortably say it's the best no super, question super superhero film in general screw marvel of any superhero film and it's one of the most impressive visual um films i've seen ever there's not many films that I would say make me genuinely marvel, no pun intended, at the visuals like that. That's one of those things I tend to not get too caught up on about the cinematography and the, the direction it takes to achieve that image, to literally take a comic book panel and throw it on a screen without losing any of the brightness and the contrast and the crazy colours and the Salvatore Dali feel that makes it look like you've, your drink's been spiked with LSD before you've gone in. It just looked insane, but it had to, didn't it? If they didn't make it look larger than life and over the top, it, would have, it wouldn't have worked. We'd be sat here now saying how flat it was and how it, it was missing that extra dimension. Yeah, I think they really gave Dicko the respect he deserves there, and I'm glad they did because, again, like you just said, they could have made it where those battles were on a New York street, and it just wouldn't have had the same impact that that movie had on me. Yeah, snap. It, it, they still would have been good because the fight scenes were fantastic. You know, people flying everywhere. I loved the the weapons that they were cr- they were creating, like the energy weapons. Awesome. And, yeah. they, and they were oh. sort of they were unassuming when 
when Mordo told Strange to conjure a weapon, did anyone expect him to create a rope? No. I, I was expecting a sword or a shield or a spear or a mace or something. But again, it takes on a whole new dimension when you think, well, yeah, but when he's doing that, if you get anywhere near to him, he's able to wrap Mordo's hand at one point, isn't he? And then yes. you can disarm someone and then you can throw, but also you can keep them away from you. You can keep them at, at rope's length so that they can't get close enough to you. And Cassilius and his guys are all using those. They, kind of, they looked like ice, uh, icicles, didn't they? Yeah. Just big it was just, it was, spears. Yeah, like energy bolts almost. It's it's kind of crazy the way they did that. But you know, I thought the fight scenes were right up there with any other movie as well for being – and you know what the one thing that really nobody's talked about, and, and I'm, I'm pretty sure there wasn't any, but I'm, I'm going to say it. I don't remember – I think this is the first ever Marvel gun-free, uh, gun-free movie. There was not a single gun in that movie. No, I think you're right. I, I can't remember a single firearm of any kind. Yeah, it was all. It was just magic, magic, it was, which is awesome. You just never seen it before. Again, just that defies convention. You would expect at some point, because at no point they didn't really interact with any like normal law enforcement. Did they? There was no police, none, like stepping no. in to try and take them down. And and the fight scene started off pretty much from the go, didn't they? They started off straight away. In, uh-huh. in London with Cassilius and you've got the Ancient Ones bending the buildings and she's, she's trying to trap them in amongst the buildings while they're moving. And th- th- To me, that, that was a big, a, a, quite a bold statement. They didn't fuck about, they didn't start off with, and it would have been a lot easier to sit down and say, you know, there's magic in the world and have a little explanation about the history of magic users, but they just go straight in with bendy buildings and portals and energy weapons and people flying and, and what have you and i i like that I, I to me that that is them paying homage and being respectful to the comics to just go you know what it's going to tell its own story we don't need to do a big cheesy introduction you'll you'll follow on within about the next two minutes and if you're not yeah. then you're probably going to hate the whole film no matter what we say and do anyway because I'm, yeah. I'm sure there's a subset of people who don't like the fact that it's a magic film who will probably be saying, oh, but if I wanted a magic film, I'd go and watch Harry Potter or something like that. But I, I, I would be baffled by anyone that would complain about that. I, I, I just don't think there's anything. Well, well, tell you what, put it this way. Can you think of anything that happened or didn't happen in the film that, that ruined the experience for you? No, and I actually, on um, from what I know you saw it, 3D and regular, and I, yes. I actually went to see it in 3d because i wanted this to be i wanted to do i wanted it to do the film justice and it really did i don't think anything was bad and, I, and i'm not saying that because it's my second favorite i just like i know going into it people said that oh they were kind of annoyed some people were up in arms how the ancient one was white but she was great it yeah. didn't matter um mordo was really good um night nurse christine palmer uh, I, I would have the only thing I, I would have given her more time in the movie because I thought she was really really good. And Rachel McAdams is very good. Yes, she is. Yeah, and she's played that character so many times before that kind of not that character, but that kind of um, those scenes in many of her movies because they're basically all the same. Uh, <laughs> she, she was really good. Um, I love how they got Brother Voodoo in on that. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, you'll have to Brother explain that one. I might have missed that one. So, Brother Voodoo, he was one of the Ancient One's guardians when they were fighting. Ah. Um, he was the, he's Daniel Drum. That's Brother Voodoo. Right. No, that one went completely over my head. 
Yeah, so I, they even got that in there, which Brother Voodoo is a huge part of Doctor Strange lore. Um, so I, I wanted to I wanted to see if they were even going to put that in there if they had the time, and they did. They stuck it in perfectly because Drum is the guy. You know, he that's how he becomes Brother Voodoo in the first place. He dies and he's resurrected. So they set that up perfectly as well. But I thought the scene stealer was the cloak of levitation. How awesome was that? Yeah, the the, the cloak of levitation was a nice little. It, it, it was one of the few. It was one of the comedy moments, wasn't it? My favorite comedy moment was any scene that involved Wong. Oh, Wong, Wong was just hilarious. The bit with the portals where he he sat there listening to Beyonce, and he's, oh, he's stealing the books cool. behind him, and then at the end when he just cracks up laughing. Yeah, um, was- and we know that Wong is going to be in because Wong is is Doctor Strange's. I don't know what he, he's not. Would you say he's a ward? Because he's not a sidekick, is he? But he, he's his companion, isn't he? he lives with him. And he's assist, yeah. he, he assists him when he's in the, the Sanctum Sanctorum. Yeah, he basically kind of guards it when he's not there. I mean, he you know in the in he was in the library in that in this particular movie and the protector. I mean, he's basically the protector of all the magical relics. You know that that's yeah. kind of he's like uh, a, he's, like a curator, isn't he, in a magic museum? That's exactly what he is. Yeah, it's like a good actually a really good explanation of what he is. And and but they, they did a good job of showing him because originally he comes across looking like. The librarian doesn't he but then you sort of start to see he's a lot more than that he is actually a powerful magic user himself and hopefully in the second film we're assuming that there's going to be a second film because there's always a second film and a third film but i, I would i would imagine that if he's in or he might even be in in some way in a cameo role he might even be in in one or both of the infinity wars films because at, at some point i would be surprised if they don't go back to the Sanctum Sanctorum to get some artifacts. Because from, from the comics, and my, my major exposure to Doctor Strange is actually from the cartoons. It, the, mm. the, the whole place is filled, isn't it, with relics that have been gathered from, from time and space. And, and each one of them, like Mordo does a good job of explaining each, one, each of the, oh, what is it they call them? Not artifacts. Um, the did they, did, did tomes? They call, did they call them relics or something? I can't, uh, I can't remember what they called them, but the name they gave them, he said each one has, has got its own little, its own little um, power. So he's got the levitation boots. Sorry, no, he's got the. I think they're the, are they the boots of flight or something? Then you've got the yeah. cloak of levitation, and mm-hmm. some of them are clothing, some of them are weapons, but whatever it is, each one of them has got a slightly different power, which will it, it will imbue into the the, the holder. So at some point, I would like to think that in the future there will be a time where they have to go and get an artifact because they think it's going to help them in the fight against Thanos or against Thanos's minions or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, you see how the Eye of Agamotto helped them in this movie. That's an incredibly powerful weapon, and not many people could even use it. So the fact that they showed in the, in the, in the movie, in this movie, that Strange was able to use it basically with not very much trouble at all, uh, even a lot of... Um, People who practice magic can't do it at all. Like the ancient one struggled with it when she first started. And well, Wong was surprised, wasn't he, when he when he came in and saw him fucking about with the the apple, which uh, before recording Joey mentioned that apple scene, and it was brilliant, was it? It's so basic, but to see him almost sat there on an old school VCR going forward, backwards, mm-hmm. forwards, backwards, apples eaten, apples whole, was was great. But then Wong comes in and Wong's sort of going, and he's like. You know, you shouldn't even be able to do these spells, and that that starts building the picture, doesn't it? That's the foundation of you realizing he's not just 
and normal magic user, Stephen Strange is something special, that he's able to control the Eye of Agamotto. He's able to use spells that somebody of his limited experience should not be able to process. When you think when he first got there, he couldn't even use the sling rings. He couldn't even create a portal until he'd lost all of his bullshit and he realised that he didn't know anything. And he had to get over all of his ego and check his arrogance and everything. And then he just becomes this sponge, doesn't he? And that, we mentioned the scene where he's stealing the books. Ultimately, he's doing that because he's not content to just know what he knows. He wants to know what he knows times 10. He wants to know every single spell and every single chant that he can to make him more powerful in the same way that when he was a surgeon, he wasn't content to just be good. He wanted to be the best. He wanted to be the the best in his field and the best in any field. So it, yeah. they've done yeah. a really good job, I would say, of introducing not just the character, but really giving you the sense of how grand and how powerful he is. Yeah, he doesn't. He has no idea how how powerful he is, which is that came across perfectly. Um, but a lot of this movie, it's, it's pretty cool because as a comic reader and you're a fellow comic reader, a lot of this was directly inspired by um, 2006, The Oath, by you know Brian K. Vaughn, who you, I'm sure you probably know who that is. Like he, when the scene when they're doing the astral batter battle, um, when Strange is battling when Casilius's minions, I can't remember what his name is, but yeah, a lot of it's from that comic, which was pretty awesome. And if you're a comic reader, you, you might pick up on that, but the average person or average fan doesn't doesn't understand and doesn't know that. So I really – there's a lot of things about this movie, and it's the little things for me that always count. And that was a little thing that, you know, like they just didn't make up a story. They, they, they added to it, but they had a base. They started with the base of the actual comic, which was awesome. And I def, they definitely have to do a sequel, no doubt about it. You'd be crazy not to, just money, money-wise alone. They're going to make so much on it. But yeah, this is just so good. So good. And, uh, you know, it, it had everything for me. It really did. And I thought the Apple scene was the perfect way to explain time travel. It, it, they just introduced it beautifully with that scene. Yeah. But one of, one of the major talking points before the film, which, which Joey alluded to before, was the apparent, quote, whitewashing, unquote, of the Ancient One. And we, we were both staunch supporters of the casting. Because quite simply, it, Marvel generally don't get their casting wrong. And the way they explained it, they didn't just come up with some bullshit explanation of, well, tough, it's a white woman. They very, very cleverly explained it and, and, and made it clear that the, the ancient one, and nearly said the special one then, Jesus Christ, <laughs> the ancient one isn't just a person. It's a title that is handed down like the Sorcerer Supreme is. The Sorcerer Supreme is not the same person like... If my memory serves me right, and I don't know why I know this, but isn't Brother Voodoo currently the Sorcerer Supreme, or hasn't he been at some point? He was recently, but um, well, he was, but recently it's went back to Stephen Strange again. But yes, right. he it's very much updated as well. The original Brother Voodoo looks nothing like the one who was the Sorcerer Supreme. Yeah, and it's the similar similar thing as we've seen with, say, the Black Panther. The Black Panther is historically no one person it's a title passed down from father to son to the you know the great warriors and what have you and i defy anyone to tell me that tilda swinton didn't do a brilliant job of making you say well okay i, I don't see how anyone could have done that better they 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 could have got in a a 
Tibetan guy. As we mentioned, there's a whole very serious political undertone going on between China and, and Tibet. But they, they could have cast somebody and they could have been more true to the comic books. But I don't think they would have got the, the same level of performance because Tilda Swinton is Hollywood A-list celebrity. She brought a level of class that this film needed. But I think she also brought a level of theatricality that a film that deals with, with magic needs. You need someone who is very eloquent, very flamboyant and a little bit over the top. Same as Benedict Cumberbatch. He, he's not a shy, retiring guy, is he? He's very over the top. He's very outspoken. And they contrast very well with Mordo, who seems to be very prim, he's very proper, quite sort of reserved, which for me makes his turn at the end when he, we sort of see the beginning of hopefully Baron Mordo, don't we? That makes him all that more sinister because it's always the quiet ones that you've got to watch out for. And you do think it, they've, they've given the impression, haven't they, that he's been sitting there for a while and he's been... He's been mulling over his thoughts and he's been sitting there stewing over. I can't believe the ancient one lied to me. I can't believe she's been siphoning power off from the dark dimension to stay young. And all of a sudden his whole world is broken. Everything that he thought he knew, everything he held as sacred is garbage, basically. No, she's always taught him the dark dimension is a no-go. It's full of evil, but it's okay for her to use it to keep her going. Even though she was trying to keep herself going for noble means, she was still doing what she told him you could never do. But doesn't that, at the end of the day, doesn't that make her more human? You know, humans make mistakes, we all make faults. So even though she's this all-knowing, all-powerful being, she's still not averse to making a big, massive cock-up. And yeah, you can, you can kind of see why, why she did that. But you absolutely. Can also- she, she wanted to do it, because she figures, doesn't she, if I only live one lifetime, I can make a difference a little bit. If I live 10 lifetimes, I can make 10 times as big a difference. I can keep doing this as long as I can. I can train another generation after generation of, of magic users to, to protect the Earth. Yeah, and you can see why Mordo was angry about it too. He doesn't believe anything like that. He thinks that whatever happens, happens, and you shouldn't be able to you know, adjust anything. You know, she shouldn't have been using that. She was. Um, but as far as Tilda Swinton goes, acting wise, that was she did a fantastic job. Uh, even if you were complaining beforehand, and if you went and saw the movie, you had to be able to put aside that and go, "Wow, she was she was really good." Yeah, you, you, you've uh, got to give credit where credit's due, not just for the casting, but for the performance. And if you can't do that, then you, I think you're being a little bit unfair and a bit prejudiced because we we on the on the comic pod, and I think the wider AI family as well with, uh, with Gags and with Nina and with Harinda as well as is big into his comics and not to mention the rest of the comic family with Chris and Kay and Marco, we all get very, very excited and we all do get really giddy. But at the end of the day, we all want to be objective. We all try to be objective about these things. And I think objectively you'd struggle to, to see her performance and not just take your hat off to her and say, well done well done for putting all of that bollocks aside because that she must have known that people have been watching her like hawks waiting for her to do something wrong to go oh well they've whitewashed the role and she's done a really shitty job with it you should have just cast the tibetan guy and he would have done better which obviously is a little bit binary there's no there's no reason to say that just because you cast someone of a certain 
gender, race, belief, whatever, that they're going to naturally do better just because they are, in this case, a Tibetan man. And she was what I would say, I think she did a better job than Cumberbatch did. She, I think she was probably my favourite after Mads Mikkelsen, who was just flawless. As yeah, far he as was, villains go, he was he like re- Loki good. And he took a he took a character in Cassilius who's like just a low level flunky in the comics and turned it into an awesome villain, just really really good. And he, and every review I've seen has has raved about him, and and he's having a good year because what's his next film that's coming out? Rogue One. So he's yeah. got he's got two releases coming out, maybe what two three months apart, both of them mm-hmm. filled with expectation. Part of two of the biggest families of films in history and you just know that come the end of the year he's going to be sat there with plaudits and hopefully some kind of awards coming in some physical recognition of just how good a job he's done and oh i think I, so I, I didn't know that about Casillas. i didn't know if he was an original character or if he was as you said a low-level flunky so is he a servant of dormammu he's actually a servant of um mordo baron ah, mordo. okay yeah, so he's not, you know, he's he's just kind of like not a, I guess you can call him a throwaway character. I mean, he definitely has a, a spot in comics, but he's nothing big, um, nothing big like Dormammu. Dormammu's got an awesome backstory with the um, with the Dark Dimension. That's not even where he's from. He's from a different dimension. Him and his sister Umar are at this point the only two people who live in the Dark Dimension. And what do they call them? Like the the whatever them gray faced. I can't remember what they call them. But they live in there as well. They're basically the only two beings that live in there, and they tricked. You know, there was a king who took, or who was in charge of the dark dimension, and it always wasn't a bad thing. Um, but they tricked the king into, you know, basically losing his kingship, if you if you want to say, um, killed him, then turned all the people into like mindless drones. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's pretty cool that that backstory, but. Yeah, I, I didn't know that much. Again, my, my only real exposure to, to Dormammu was probably from the Spider-Man cartoon from the, what, I mean, that must have been about 94, 95. And Doctor Strange was in a few of those, and you had Baron Mordo, and you had Dormammu. So I think a lot of people might be more familiar with some of the Doctor Strange stories than they think they are. Because a lot yes. of people do, don't they? If you watch those cartoons as a kid, you might have read comics. You might well have an ongoing interest in the comic film. So you might know the name Dormammu. You might not be going into this cold. But the I like the way he looked. I didn't expect him to be the giant mystical figure with the head on fire. But there's no reason why. Because he can change the way he's perceived. Can't he? he can present himself however he wants. So when he comes to Earth, they could change him and do him as the the more humanoid form with the, the head on fire. But the way he looked, I actually thought he looked kind of like Thanos. Like the, the, the lines in his face and the colour of him, he, I thought he looked a little bit Thanosy. Yeah, I totally agree. He absolutely did. And, and that scene where Doctor Strange was there, what was it? Uh, uh, Doctor Strange, I've come to... Uh, sorry, uh, Dormammu, I've, I've come to Barter, or I've come to... I think it was I've come to Barter. And then he's mm-hmm. just dying over and over and over again in the most hideously painful ways. And that must have shit Dormammu up, because he says to him, doesn't he? He does realise you're going to spend 
Infinity dying at my hand. And he's like, yeah, uh-huh. fine. If that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. So that's really his, his, mo- his moment, isn't it? When he's finally, he's left Stephen Strange behind. He's lost his ego. He's left every drop of arrogance at the door. And he's prepared to spend the rest of Infinity being tortured and dying in the most painful ways possible if it means saving the world, if it means saving his friends and his family, including, you know, Wong and Mordo. By this point, he considers them to be proper friends. He's willing to do this for them, as well as the people he's left in his old life. Oh, yeah, no question. I mean, it turns into like a twisted scene from Groundhog Day. It's yeah, crazy. It's it's pretty horrible. And some of the ways he gets killed, like giant spikes going through him, and I think he gets crushed as well. Yeah, yeah. And and like you, I the, the, the first time I saw the film, I went and watched it in 2D. But then the second time when I went, I had to watch it in 3D. And it really does, no pun intended, add another dimension to it. Not just the, the, the depth that you get, but I, I, I can't even explain it. It, it, it made, to me, it seemed brighter, more colorful, more vivid, as well as the fact that when he's flying, the, the, the first scene when he meets the ancient one and she knocks his astral form out and he's traveling through all the different dimensions. That was just jaw droppingly beautiful. Yes, more was. so in 3d because you get the, the it, you get more of the sense of, of actual falling. Don't you? you can see more of the, you know, the lines between one dimension and another. And it really is one of those films that needs to be seen in 3D. And I don't say that very often because I think it's a gimmick which is hugely, hugely overrated. A lot of films, they just do a couple of little bits and you go, right, well, that'll do. Certain scenes of this wouldn't have worked as well without the 3D. Yeah, I mean, when he he goes on like a a trip through just far recesses of the multiverse, you know, the the stuff that they're introducing is... Especially when that door, when he's at out of body experiences, you know, like parallel dimensions and alternate realities, astral planes, flow of time, all that stuff is stuff you, you hear about, and you're like, oh, that's freaking boring. But then you see it in this movie, and you're like, wow, they, this is it's absolutely brilliant. It, it just was done so well, and Scott Derrickson deserves a lot of credit because he just did. He blew. He blew. He just blew my mind with that movie. He really did. It, what you've already just mentioned something there. Another interesting thing that's been introduced into this is the theory of the multiverse. Now, um, I, I don't know if that's something that they're going to properly delve into going forward for, for Infinity War, because that might be just taking the piss to the nth degree. But I don't know about you, but my first thought when they start talking about the multiverse, any characters spring to mind for you? Uh, not off the top of my head, but I'm probably missing the obvious. For me, Miles Morales. Uh, I'm I'm instantly thinking, because for anyone that doesn't know, Miles Morales is Spider-Man, young, I think he starts when he's 14, on a different Earth where Peter Parker dies, and he is inspired to to take over. Now, the the only way that they they can bring him into the main... Um, Marvel Universe, if they ever wanted to. Bearing in mind, we've got a new Spider-Man trilogy coming up. So mm-hmm. across the next, what, six years, we're going to see three different Spider-Man films going from him in high school to presumably his first maybe two years as Spider-Man. By the time the third one rolls around, he's going to be a bit of an old hat. I mean, Tom Holland alone by then will be in his mid-twenties. So Peter, Peter Parker is in his mid-twenties. They've now got the means to gradually and slowly introduce 
Miles Morales if they wanted to bring in, or Spider-Gwen, who is Gwen, I nearly said Gwen Stefani, Jesus Christ, I think I need to flush my brain out. <laughs> Gwen Stacy from Another Earth, and she has taken on the mantle of being Spider-Man, person, woman, girl. And now Spiders. they... Spider-Person. <laughs> and now they've got the ability to bring people in from other other realms, as we've seen on um, on the DC TV shows. If, if anyone's been watching the Fortnite crossover uh, this week, you've got the, the the multiverse where Supergirl exists, but on Earth thirty eight. But now, because they've got the the means to travel between the multiverse um, universes, they can bring characters who don't exist on our Earth and just bring them in. Now Marvel can do the same going forward. The only thing really missing um, that you've re- again that you've already alluded to is Miss Marvel. Sorry, Captain Marvel, and and Kevin Feige has said, hasn't he, that from their point of view, she's going to be the most powerful. They've said the most powerful Avenger, but I think what they mean is the most powerful human Avenger. Yeah, because she's surely she's not going to be more powerful than Thor because she's not a godlike figure but she is imbued with a lot of cosmic energy and she can do some crazy, crazy shit. Yeah, and, I think her movie's going to be just as good when it ever comes out. I can't remember when it's coming out. Was it 18 or 19, I Captain Marvel? I think it's 18. Okay, that movie's going to be awesome too. It's so going to pop- she, She's been introduced in the... She's been introduced, I think, in the first part of Infinity War. And then her solo film comes afterwards. So that is probably when they'll go back and do a proper explanation, even though they've said they're not going to be doing the whole Cree thing. Not Cree. No, it is. Yeah, it is Cree, isn't it? Captain Marvel was, was from the Cree. Yes. And I, I don't think they're going to be doing that where she gets hit by that cosmic energy. But as that you said, be, it, yeah. it's probably going to be the lightning strike. Yeah, it's, I think so. Because I, I say set that up with the conversation and I, I I don't think he's talking about anybody else. Um, I'm pretty sure that would be Captain Marvel, and it's definitely Cree, definitely Cree blood. And it, and it's a it's a good way of retconning it, isn't it? Because as you've seen with the Flash, you a, a bolt of lightning can pretty much do anything, and it could well turn out that it isn't normal lightning in the conventional sense. It's some kind of cosmic lightning, you know, that's mm-hmm. come from out of space that that's hit her, that's given her all these cosmic powers. Um, and speaking of cosmic. We've also got tie-ins with Guardians 2. I would love to see um, Carol Danvers in some way in one of the future Guardians films. That would make sense, too. That would actually that would make more sense to bring her... Well, not more sense, but it would make equal sense to bring her in there, too, because you're looking at the whole realm. You're looking at everything in Guardians 2, and you know I'm not the biggest Guardians fan, um, but I did watch that trailer, and it, it looks really good, except for the second one. And, and that's another thing, again, to, to, to not underplay or understate how big a gateway film this is for the, for phase four and five. You know, we, we, we've had explanations for other things for, for science and what have you and cosmic. Now we've got the mystic and it's really like the final cornerstone. It's the final piece in the jigsaw that rounds off the entire universe of powers. It sounds stupid, but Marvel and DC have both got um, mobile games out at the minute and, and they all categorize their characters according to where their powers come from. And in Marvel, Marvel's game, uh, Champion Collectors or something like that, you've got Skill, Science, Tech, uh, Mystic, and Cosmic. So Mm. you've got all of those different pieces now in there. And it's hard to not think that this could be the catalyst which is going to really 
skyrocket the 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 MCU as a wider you know wider franchise into the future. And we we've also got one other thing with Doctor Strange for what the past eight years we've had the same guard. We've had Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk, Thor, Black Widow, Hawkeye. We, they can't last forever. At some point, the Avengers is going to have a facelift. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much expected that Iron Man and Captain America will be replaced by Doctor Strange and Captain Marvel uh, as the two, the, the, the faces, won't they, of, of the Avengers going forward. Yeah, and they're going to make that team so much more powerful because yeah. their characters are extremely powerful, way more so than Iron Man or Captain America. And, and there's no reason why they can't still have I don't know whether they, they ever will do the, the new Iron Man, a.k.a. Ironheart. If anyone's mm. missed it in the comics, Iron, the Iron Man mantle has now been passed on to a 15-year-old girl. She's like a, she's a teenage prodigy, isn't she? And she's been able to reverse engineer her own Iron Man armor. But I think Tony Stark gets wind of it and he sort of says, like, officially gives her his blessing. There's yeah. no reason why they couldn't do that. It's pretty well thought that Sebastian Stan a.k.a. Bucky, at some point will become Captain America. And he sent the internet into rapture the other day when he was photographed with um, Bucky's Captain America shield on his back. And he said that a fan has made it for him, but naturally people are putting two and two together and saying, oh, this is the beginning of Captain Bucky and what have you. So at, at some point we've got to think about the future of the Avengers and of the MCU. And this very much looks like, to me, the, the first step in the changing of the guard from what we've seen in phase one, two, and three to what we will see in phase four, five, six, and Christ knows how long this goes on for. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's endless, isn't it? As long as the comics keep being made, they've got source material. And comics yeah. aren't going anywhere because comics are undergoing a bit of a renaissance at the minute. Yeah, as long as they keep making money, as long as they keep making comics, as long as they're, they're all going to have fans all the time. Um, the, the Miles Morales thing would be interesting. I, I would like to see if people would still be that interested when they start doing different planets and Earths, because that, as you and I know, gets very confusing. Sometimes. It does. When when you start introducing alternate versions of the same person, when you've got Earth One, you know, Earth One version of yourself does a job, but then the Earth Two version of yourself does a different job. The Earth Three version is evil. The Earth 4 version is dead. The Earth 5 version is a fish person who lives underwater. And all <laughs> these different things start getting really weird, especially in DC, where you've got an Earth where the Justice League are evil. So Superman isn't you know, the symbol of truth, liberty, and freedom. He's, he's an oppressive dictator who anyone who stands up against him, he, he kills them with his heat vision and eradicates them. Like you say, that that would be a huge test of Marvel's stock if they were ever to introduce a parallel dimension Spider-Man. Would people still take it? But if anyone was to pull it off, I would trust Marvel, led by Kevin Feige, to do it because they've handled everything else well, tastefully, and very, very carefully, haven't they? Yeah, I think introducing magic right now is... I wasn't again when I saw the trailers. I thought the movie was going to be great. When I started to read more about it, I thought it was going to be great. But that's really difficult to put, uh, you know, throw that out there and for have everybody to understand it. When you start talking different dimensions, 
portals. It, it gets, you know, let's be honest, it gets boring sometimes. And you're like, wait, you're talking science? Like, yeah, I'm not into that. It's one but, of the big things about, say, Star Trek, isn't it? A lot of people's problem with Star Trek is you explain everything by going, yeah, well, it's the future. And a lot, it, it's easy to fall into the trap now of going, yeah, but he, he, he can do that because magic, you know, because magic becomes the explanation for everything. And then yeah. you lose all sense of, obviously, we, we've got to take with a pinch of salt, but you lose all sense of reality. You, that even with magic, there has got to be restrictions. You can't just do everything with this power. And I think at some point we will see that. We will see something that Doctor Strange can't solve with the mystic art, something that maybe you do have to go back to a bow and arrow or a bullet. And sometimes you've got to accept that the old ways are the best. Yeah, I totally agree. You can't just have it one way and not the other. People like to see those battle sequences. People love it. Yeah, and, and some of the best fight scenes we've seen aren't the, the magic ones. They're not people flying it's gunfights. It's the you know the, the bridge scene in the Winter Soldier is absolutely brilliant and hand to hand combat. That's another thing that's been mentioned actually about um, Captain Marvel. She's very capable of energy blasts. You know that's one of her major powers. So she could just fly in the air and energy blast everyone, not get her hands dirty. But Feige has said she will be shown as being physically strong, as in a good fighter. She will be knocking the shit out of people. And that's what people want. Because otherwise, again, it's just, no, 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 right, so she's got these cosmic powers and she can just do everything. Like Superman. Like one of the major reasons why I've disliked Superman for so long, even though I'm currently subscribed to two of his comics. Starting to change a little bit. I have started to change a little bit since Rebirth. But it's because that's exactly it. They've always just given Superman the ability to do whatever the hell he wants and say, yeah, but he's Superman. Marvel mm-hmm. don't want to fall into that in the films with her. And they did the same with, with all of these magic users. All of the fights were up close, weren't they? It was all close quarters fighting. Yep. Nobody was standing on the other side of a room and just shooting lightning bolts or magic blasts. And that makes it a little bit more relatable and a bit more believable. And you, you, you get the sort of, again, the realism, don't you? If you want, when you see a fight scene, you want to see people getting the hands dirty you want to see punches and kicks and throws and flips because that's the stuff that gets you on the edge of your seat going oh god what's he going to do and how does he come back from this and it's good that they're trying to keep it even though we're talking about magic and portals and dr strange leaps off into the dark dimension to go and talk to this cosmic entity that destroys worlds they're still punching each other they're still throwing each other against, against brick walls to inflict pain on them. So they, they've, I think they've done a good job of keeping it grounded. Yeah, no, no, so me too. I, I, they, they just Everything they seem, the touch turns to gold. It, it just really does. So they're just so, so good at it. And like you said, those hand-to-hand combat scenes are going to be a part of every movie because you just said it. That's what keeps people in the theaters watching the movies on the edge of your seat. That, that's what keeps, certainly, I would say, the, the casual fans, the people who go and watch these films because they're good action films, because mm-hmm. you can go and watch Civil War. You know, it, it's made, it's the highest grossing film of this year. It's going to be one of the highest grossing films of all time. It's already made over, a bit. I think it's 1.2 or 1.3 billion, something like that. But even with all the powers you've got in there, at the end of the day, on the, on the fight scene on, the, on the, the runway in the airport, they're punching each other, they're kicking the shit out of each other. 
while you've got people flying around in suits, you've got Black Panther, Hawkeye, Black Widow throwing each other. You've got, you know, actual genuine fist fights happening. So, it, yeah, it, it's great to see them trying to keep the, you know, keep one foot on the ground and not let themselves get carried away with all the mysticism, which I'm sure would be a lot easier to do. It must be harder from a writing point of view to write a comic book film that caters to casual fans than it is to write a comic book film that's going to cater to you and I. Because if they did it really 100% pure comic, you and I would be happy. But Doctor sure. Strange wouldn't have made over $600 million. It would, it would probably lose money if they made a pure comic film. And, totally. And, yeah, and that's they're, they're... what Marvel don't do. Marvel don't make pure comic films. They make the films that keep the comic book readers happy. They keep general cinema-going fans happy. And they keep this sort of, well, I don't really like comics, but I do like comic films. They, mm-hmm. they keep those people happy. They literally cater to everyone every single time. Literally, go back to 2008 and Iron Man, right up to 2016 with Doctor Strange. Every film in between has kept people happy, relatively speaking. Yeah, no, you're right for the most part. Yeah, absolutely. They're just really good at targeting the population that is going to bring them money and make people happy. Yeah, and, you know, we can be cynical. It's clearly all about money. They, Kevin mm-hmm. Feige's a huge comic nerd, but at the end of the day, if he makes two or three films in a row that aren't making serious money, his head's on the line, he's going to lose his job. And he, he, for me, he is like godlike status for me now because he's doing the perfect balancing act of making money for the studios, keeping the executives happy, but keeping us all happy. You know, billions of people across the world are getting the entertainment value from these films because we all keep going back. Whenever there's a Marvel film out, they're breaking records for opening weekends. They're making hundreds of millions of dollars. Then the merchandising and the, fra- the merchandising and the other stuff that goes along with these franchises. When in the last eight years have you walked past a shop and you haven't seen Captain America merch and Iron Man merch and Guardians and now Doctor Strange and I'm seeing more and more places now are stocking comic book t-shirts places that never used to have them all of Mm -hmm. a sudden you might have seen an Iron Man one but now you're going in and you're seeing Ant-Man and Doctor Strange Deadpool Deadpool things things you never would have seen because they aren't the mainstay mainstream characters but now you'll, you'll see more people going forward wearing Doctor Strange merch than you would have done 10 years ago. Yeah, and I think so. I've already seen a huge uptake in Deadpool stuff. You can get Deadpool's logo on everything. I've even seen dog coats with Deadpool logo on it. Yeah, yes, pretty, I yeah. have tried to get one in Wilson's size, but I couldn't find them. They were all too small. <laughs> but if I ever find one, oh, you better believe that boy is getting the Deadpool coat. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's just, it's Marvel all over. And one thing we haven't looked at, which we always do, in, in the wider sense, from a casting point of view, who do you think put in, their, put in the strongest performance? Um, you know, I'm going to go out of the box here, and I'm going to say the CGI of the Cloak of Levitation. Okay. I just, just think it stole every scene it was in. And that's not to belittle anybody else. I thought everybody was... I would say perfect casting. I wouldn't think of somebody else who would jump out and go, yeah, I would have put that person in the movie. But the unsung hero is the cloak of levitation. I mean, it sounds remarkable but for a piece of fabric, but it was awesome. Every scene it was in, when it, 
you know, when it's tugging him out of harm, uh, harm's way, beating up adversaries. Oh, God, like, that was fucking funny. When he wanted all, to go on one side of the room and the cloak's pulling him back and he's like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, it's trying to tell him what to do. And then when it wraps itself around Lucian's head, it slams Cassilius's face. I mean, it's, it's, it's just awesome. I mean, it, the best part, I thought, was when the Ancient One died and they had their little, which that scene was done exceptionally well, because the one thing I loved about it is they didn't make it a huge deal. It was just hold hands, and then the Ancient One kind of disappeared, but it wipes his tears at the end, the, the, the cloak does. I thought that was hysterical. Yeah. They, how the hell do you give a cloak an inanimate object personality? Uh, it's amazing. I, I, so, I don't know. How, do you know what it reminds me of? This is a weird one. The magic carpet from Aladdin. Aladdin, yeah. The, the, way, the, the way the yeah. carpet moved and was able to convey emotion without ever saying a single word. The cloak was kind of the same. And at the end, it was sort of like his first friend in there, wasn't it? You know, with the when, all the, when everything was going wrong, the cloak's got his back. Yep. And even when he loses the cloak, when he, he goes through the, the portal, when he comes back and he's walking back through the hallway, the cloak comes up to him, doesn't it? And he throws it back. That, that wonderful scene where he throws it around his neck and it yes. just, you know, attaches to him. And yeah, I, I've already said mine in Mads Mikkelsen. I think Mads Mikkelsen was just incredible. And he, he was he's a believable villain. You understood why he was saying what he was saying and why he was being the way he was. Because he genuinely believed that that Dormammu was what's best for, you know, the the, the whole of human existence. Yeah. To to get behind this guy, and he's trying to explain, isn't he, that the dark dimension will give us all infinite life; no one will die. And yeah, and he's he's, he's, he's bad for the right reasons. Yeah, I mean, he, the dark dimension does give you eternal life. It just takes away your life as you know it. It makes you like a like a drone almost. Like you're just kind of. You're nothing. I can't remember what they call them. It's bothering me. It's like the gray people in the comics. I can't remember what they're called, but they all turn into the same thing. I I don't know. I I know visually of them, but I I couldn't even begin to tell you. Yeah, I can't remember. It's bothering the shit out of me. So what? What about the twist at the end? Because we got two two post credit scenes, didn't we? We got the first one with Thor, which was brilliant with mm-hmm. his, his bottomless mug of. Uh, I don't beer. Know, beer or grog or something, whatever it is. It was awesome. So that that was a nice little a nice little lead into presumably what's going to be the beginning of Ragnarok. The only yeah. thing that threw me when the behind the set footage, uh, behind the scenes footage came out, we mm-hmm. saw Anthony Hopkins dressed in his rags, living on the streets of presumably New York. So they must mm-hmm. have already filmed the beginning way in advance of. Um, of Thor Did, Ragnarok. That that Thor scene, um, from what I understand, is actually from Ragnarok. It was never meant to be in Doctor Strange. They put it in there just to tease that movie. So like and, they did with um, the scene uh, at the end of Ant-Man where Bucky's got his arms stuck. Yes. That, yep, was, that, that was lifted right. straight from it, wasn't it? Exactly. Yes, it was. Okay. It's the same. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that scene is for that movie not for Doctor Strange, but they found, a, again, Marvel being Marvel, a sneaky way to put it in and make it work. Yeah, and, and it does. It always does. They, it, I always think it's strange where even now, as soon as the film finishes, people stand up and start to leave. And you, mm-hmm. you know you are at least getting one. You are at least getting the, 
Easter eggs. The, the, the scene that comes after the, the mini credits that they do where they just reel off the names of the main cast. Yeah. But I'd read, I'd read beforehand that there was two, so I knew to stay put. Mm-hmm. And arguably the second one is even bigger because the second um, one is going to completely change um, what's going forward for Doctor Strange. Just, probably more him. I don't know whether we'll see much of Mordo from a Thanos Infinity Wars point of view. But what, what do you make of that change um, at the end? So we, we, for anyone who doesn't remember, we basically see Mordo. He snapped. You know, he, he's not happy that the, sorceress, that the Ancient One lied to him. He's not happy with Doctor Strange because he, he fucked with time. He completely bent time over and, and warped it in on itself. And as, as Joey mentioned before, he's a staunch believer in you leave things the way they are. We can, we can tinker with certain things, but you, he calls it the natural order, doesn't he? You don't mess with the natural order. Yeah, and I, I think that's I mean, he again. He has a point in saying that, but uh, he's going to be a huge player, I think, in the universe, especially in Doctor Strange's second movie, because he's he's kind of the main villain for Doctor Strange. Um, he, he's and, you know, what I've what I've always known from my limited experience. So I was surprised when they cast him as Carl Mordo. I was thinking, well, hang on, isn't isn't Mordo supposed to be a villain? Yeah, yeah, he no, he definitely is, but that. I mean, he he wasn't always a villain. We talked about that in the preview. You know, he studied under the Ancient One. Then he was disillusioned after all that time he studied. You know, the, the Ancient One went to Stephen Strange and made him his new apprentice. You know, top apprentice, I should say. But again, he, he Mordo tries to kill the Ancient One, plots against him in the comic book. So it, it wasn't a huge surprise what he did. I mean, he, he just doesn't feel that you should mess with magic and that way. That's not the way you're supposed to do it, which is why you think, I think that's Benjamin Bratt, right, at the end? Yeah. Um, just so you didn't, you know, That's a funny thing. He doesn't kill him. He just takes takes all of his power, takes his energy, which is, that's pretty ruthless. You know I mean? He goes back to being, what, paralyzed? Or can't use his legs? Yeah, we, and, and that's a pretty gruesome scene, isn't it? You know, to, to resign that guy to a life of being partially disabled again after years of of normalcy but i completely agree with what you said you you can understand up to a point why he is the way he is because there is a natural order and there's got to be some things which are sacred and he's clearly not okay with fucking with time and bringing people back from the dead and what's done is done and you've only got to look at for anyone who, who watches the flash you look at the profound effect that Barry's had with the Flashpoint storyline or anyone that's not watching The Flash but has read uh, the Flashpoint um, Paradox comics or has even seen the animated film, going back and changing one minor thing can have monumental consequences going forward decades and hundreds of years. And, you know, under Mordo's watch, nobody would do that. And even though this guy is only siphoning off a little bit of energy from the dark dimension, just so that he isn't paralysed, to him, that's against it. That, that's an abnormal use of powers. So he, he's, come, he's already gone, hasn't he? He's gone very dark and very... No empathy, no, no compassion for anyone else. It's very black and white, a very binary view of the world. Yeah, very much so. You know, he thought he knew the ancient one. He he would never have thought the ancient one was taken from the dark dimension. And I mean, again, he does have a point to a certain degree, like you said, because you're, you you just can't use that kind of power. Even the little he was using to keep 
you know, him being able to walk at the end or you know, being able to walk, he just he's like, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. You were paralyzed for a reason. And you've got don't, to be paralyzed. That's right. Yeah, don't and, cheat what happened to you because you can. That's not the right thing to do. And you never know because, again, to, to, to sympathize with him, for all he knows, siphoning energy from the dark dimension will, you know, darken his soul. It could corrupt him. He could become a force of evil. So it exactly. looks to me now like Mordo is going to become almost in his mind an anti-hero. He's going to be doing what we would perceive as being bad things, but he's going to think he's doing it for the right reason. He's going to be doing it for the natural order. But at some point, I would be amazed if they don't align him with Dormammu. At some point, Dormammu's going to get in his head and say, yeah, but you know, we, we want the same thing. We just want the natural order. We just want things to be the way they are. And he's going to sort of pollute him a little bit and bring him over to the dark side, as it were. Yeah, I think he absolutely will. That's how Dormammu got a hold of the dark dimension in the first place, by being manipulative and lying about what his real reasons are. So I, and he does work with them in the comic books at some point, so it would only make sense. And in, in the, the Spider-Man cartoons, again, he was, he was Dormammu's eyes and ears, wasn't he, on Earth? And his whole mission was doing everything he could to get Dormammu from the dark dimension into our realm. So that, yes. he could, so that he could take over and rule it, absolutely. Whether they'll go down that route, we don't know, because a, a second Doctor Strange film is going to be... It's going to be hard to do, because Cumberbatch is a busy man. I mean, he, he's working now, or he's already worked on, um, a new series of Sherlock. He's always going to have Sherlock in the background, mm-hmm. and his stock with every film that he does is just going to rise and rise and rise. And I, I think it could be at least maybe four years before we get a second Doctor Strange solo film. He's obviously going to be in the two next Avengers films. But it's going to be a long time, I think, before we get another film because everything now is gearing up towards a focal point, isn't it? It's like in, in Phase 1, everything was gearing up to the Avengers. In Phase 2, everything geared up to Age of Ultron. Now everything's gearing up to Thanos arriving. Mm-hmm. And then nope. after, after the Infinity Wars films, the two of them, the second one being in 2019, there's then going to be some kind of catastrophic fallout as a result of that. There's going to be presumably dead heroes. The world's going to be in total disarray. And you never know, that could be when we get Doctor Strange's second film. Maybe he's one of the people as a powerful magic user. Maybe he's going to be tasked with trying to rebuild humanity and rebuild the whole world after it's been completely fucking destroyed. Well, I think Ragnarok's going to play a big part in that too. When Hulk, I think Hulk's going to come back. Yeah, if you know that. and I, Hulk's going to be pissed. Well, if you remember, take a guess who's a part of who threw him in space? Doctor Strange. Right. Okay. Part of that group, so now, he's going to be real pissed. I, I wonder if they're going to. I mean, they could, couldn't they? They could retcon that in, in some way because we don't know the timeline. We don't know. That's when right. in the main MCU timeline, we don't know when Stephen Strange became Doctor Strange. For all we know, what the events that we've seen in the film could have been before Civil War. Exactly, that's so, what I mean. Like, yeah, they, they can whatever they can play around with that all they want, but it would make sense if he shows up in there, maybe towards the end, because that's a huge part of Marvel lore. And isn't that what- clever though? The way they've they've refused to explain how Hulk got into space. We've all guessed and said, well, it's so- somehow, at end of Age of Ultron, he's, uh, Hulk steals a Quinjet and decides mm-hmm. that he's got to take himself away. 
But yep. how the shit does a Quinjet get to space? Because exactly. they're only jets, aren't they? They're not, they're not, I don't think anyway that they're equipped for space flight. No, that's not the meaning for them. Yeah. So and then, at some plop. point, he goes from a jet to a shuttle or a jet yep. to a rocket. And honestly, if they did that, my head would implode. If they were able to just shoehorn in and go, oh, by the way, yeah, Doctor Strange did that. Uh, my head would just go because that the le- I talk about it all the time. I have got beyond respect for the Marvel writing. They see they don't just see the big picture; they see the biggest picture. They planned for things in two thousand and eight that have mm-hmm. happened in two thousand and twelve, and and that's hard to do in films when you've got a two-hour film. It's hard, isn't it, to see outside of it? And if they were actually able to convincingly retcon that. I, th- I seriously think I might stop breathing. <laughs> I do. I'm, I'm telling you, I think they're, I think they're, I think you kind of have to, to tell that story. That yeah. is what rag is. That's the whole, I mean, it wouldn't make sense without mentioning that and having it be a big part. Was it just him or was it the Illuminati? It was the Illuminati. Right. Black Bolt, him, Iron Man. I was going to say, cause that Iron Man's on, on there as well. And we, we yeah. are bound to get when Iron Man meets, Doctor Strange, we've got to get that comic panel of awesome facial hair bros. <laughs> where where um, Iron Man's off, um, you know, he's got his hand up, he wants a high five, and Doctor Strange is just groaning and rolling his eyes like, oh my God. Yeah, I mean, it's, look, look at the people who shot him in there. It's all like the top dogs. You know, these are, these are powerful, powerful people. So, you know, you're going to open up a whole can of... All other stuff, and I, I again, I really think that that's going to be part of Ragnarok. Maybe I, I, now, you, now you've said it, I'm genuinely smiling just thinking about them coming back and just putting in that little bit of, of right at mythos. the end. Yep, right at the end, showing you, oh, here comes this is where Thor's going to happen to Thor. Now he's coming back with an army from an army of warriors from a whole different planet. So yeah, and you're all in deep, deep shit. Oh yeah, very much so. Yeah, I. Yeah, it, it's. I didn't think that Doctor Strange was going to have such a profound effect on us as viewers and on the MCU. I knew it was going to have a big effect with the magic and the the, the size of the character. But now mm-hmm. I'm thinking about it. I, I don't think we've actually expected it to be as big. But even just you and I sitting here talking informally, I think it's really starting to hit home that Doctor Strange could be the catalyst for the entire thing in the way that Iron Man was the catalyst for the uh, the, the first phase, because he was the one that really tried to pull it all together. Yeah, I think that was their intention the whole time. If you think about it, it really makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. It does. So uh, before we go, any any final thoughts from you about the film? Anything that uh, you've not covered? No, I think we covered everything. Um, everything that I wanted to talk about, I... Again, I just, the film blew me away. I thought it was going to be really, I thought it was going to be good, really good, and I think it surpassed that. Again, it's number two on my list now, right behind Civil War, um, which is saying a lot because you know, look at all the great. Oh Marvel God, movies. yeah. I mean, to, to put so, that above Winter Soldier is a massive, massive compliment. Oh yeah, huge, huge. And again, I love that movie, but I just thought this was done better. I thought the overall scheme, and I think this is the transition film. That's another reason why I think it's one of the that why it's number two on my list because it's just going to open up so much stuff that as a comic book reader i know but the average fan has no idea and it's going to be exciting yeah completely agree and that actually segues us beautifully into our next episode which we'll be recording in a couple of days 
Uh, Rory will be back once he's, he's got the uh, the football out of his system. He's got this insatiable need to talk football every now and then, otherwise he, he gets rashes and stuff. Um, and we're going to be joined by Gags. And what we're going to be doing is the three of us, uh, there's a companion article coming out, and we've ranked all of the Marvel films, and we're going to sit down and talk about, I think we're probably only going to be able to talk about our top five, because if we each talk about all 14, it's going to take about four hours which is a little bit taking the piss, and I think Nina might die editing a four-hour pod of ours. She'd either die or she'd at least fall asleep many, many times. Oh, yeah. It, it would get hella boring. It really would. So we're, we're going to be recording that on Tuesday, so it's probably going to be out in, a, I don't know, maybe a week and a half, two weeks. Um, we're also coming up to our one-year anniversary, which we're absolutely delighted with, because by the time that rolls around, we'll have done 30 episodes. So we've done, on average, just over two a month. We never expected to go that long. We really thought it was going to be a few episodes, we'd get shit figures, and gags would sweep us under the carpet because it would be an embarrassment to AI. But we, it's got bigger, it's got better. We've now got the articles who Mr. Connors is responsible for probably 90% of them, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're. I love doing it. Um, everybody who's done an article on there, uh, gaming ones included, have been excellent. Uh, I'm not a gaming person myself, but I know Guy's done a few of them. They've been good. Rory's done. The ones that you've done have been awesome. Um, I think, I don't remember if Chris has done one. I don't remember. I think he's been threatening for about six months that he is going to do one when he gets time. But I know he's been incredibly busy with work and what have you. Yeah, yeah, so he the, really is, it seems so like. The, so. the comic book brand is getting bigger. I'm sure we'll be saying thanks a lot more over the next couple of episodes, but just from me, a big thank you to everyone that has stuck with us and continues to stick with us. The numbers that we're getting at the minute are just crazy, like stupidly high numbers of listeners. So thank you. Please continue listening. Please continue sharing if you know anyone that would be interested in this shit. And please keep reading Joey's articles because we want them to get more more views they aren't just, this is a character, I'm going to talk to you about Luke Cage. It's delving more into the, the ethics, the, the gender, the, the racial stereotypes and what have you. So they're on the surface, they're not just about the character. They're going into much deeper layers. Well worth a little bit of your time to read. Is there anything that you need to, to plug? Any, any other pods you're on or any in particular articles you want to ram down people's throats? Uh, Article-wise, you pretty much said that perfectly. Basically, what I was going to say: um, the AI US, we are recruiting, or recruiting, we are recording this Thursday, so look out for that. And um, last week, I did a pod with Kay and a Sunderland fan, which came off pretty good as a face-off pod. Uh, other than that, no, all good. Okay. Well, in that case, I think we've we've gone to our usual hour and fifteen minutes. So I think we'll wrap up and just say thank you for listening, and we'll catch you again.
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Give them a gift they'll never forget, because they'll still have it years later. American Giant makes clothes that just keep getting better with age. Like their iconic full-zip hoodie that's designed to last for decades. Because a gift they'll wear for years is a gift that keeps on giving. So be a gift-giving giant this holiday season at American-Giant.com. And get 20% off your first order when you use code GRATEFULAG23. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Code GRATEFULAG23. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.